0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the midweek OTA from the heart of sports. Jason Springer here with Jeff Cohen. Jeff, uh, long week, uh, weekend.
1: How you doing, man? Long week? It's only Tuesday. I know. <laughs> Just... <laughs> it, it, I'll give you this. It does seem like a long week. It, it, so much has happened in the course of, what, four days since we did our last show. That's why we have to do this talk. And yes, we're calling it the midweek OTA right
0: now. If somebody vetoes the name, we'll go with something else. But for now, we're sticking with it. Uh, So that's why we need to do this show, because too much goes on between the time we get off the air and the time we go back on the air. And then we don't get to talk about half of it. So why don't we pick up a little bit where we left off our conversation at the show on Friday and then move to some other sports we had Doug Glanville on. We had Keith Pompey on. Um, the response seemed pretty good from people, uh, and I felt good about the show that we did. How did you feel about the conversation that we had? And then let's talk about some of the events that's happened since.
1: I, I think it was good for people to hear from um, voices like Doug Glanville and, and um, Keith Pompey. Uh, Doug has been some, somebody that we've had on the show many times just to talk about this very issue. Um, and the fact that we continue to have him on the show to discuss it is is both important, but it's also sad, because we have to continue to have this conversation. Uh, we had this conversation, I don't even know what the impetus was two years ago, but we've had this conversation with Colin Kaepernick, you know, for, what, three years now, more. Um, but it's important to keep hearing it, and, and it's important to hear that that Doug not only is a voice of of something that's so important, but he's also um, somebody who has got solutions um, and looks for it. And, and Keith, you know, we had him on the show Friday to talk about this, and he wrote a very poignant piece over the weekend.
0: Highly recommend people read that, yeah. uh, you know, what, what life has been like for Keith and, and what he sees through his eyes. And we tried to have that conversation with him to sort of encourage more understanding. So, if people know where you're coming from, they, they can see where you're going and what you're talking about. Uh, we saw a lot of the protests continue this weekend, more peaceful. Um, Elton Brand, Tobias Harris, Matisse Thibel, Kyle Lowry all out in Philly protesting. I think Malcolm Jenkins was there. Aaron McKee, I believe, was out there as well. Um, so a lot of involvement from players in the community. But after we got off the air on Friday... A lot happened with the NFL. We saw the players put out a video uh, basically taking the message directly to the NFL, telling the NFL what they wanted to hear. And then you saw Roger Goodell say a lot of those things, your thoughts on the NFL developments after we got off the air.
1: I thought that the video from the players was extremely powerful. Um It just you you felt something when you heard the voices and you heard the emotion in it um, and the words that were said and the people that have been impacted. And, you know, we all take every opportunity we can to attack every commissioner in sports and especially Roger Goodell. Uh, But from the things that I've heard and read since then, Roger Goodell does actually seem like somebody who has has wanted to be on this side. He doesn't always express it well. Um, he's the mouthpiece for the owners, not for himself. And it sounds like he actually wanted to take this opportunity to say this and now is given that opportunity to say it. Regardless of whether that's the case, what what I'm struck by with some people is attacking as too little too late. Because isn't it better to have more people on your side And to get on your side and to understand you than to say, you weren't on my side. I don't ever want you on my side.
0: I think that's generally a a reflex of sort of the cancel culture that we're in right now. I agree with you. When somebody takes a, a step in the direction you're hoping that they're going, even if they haven't walked that way before, I come at it from you should acknowledge that. Because it probably took something for them to take that step. It may not have been as big a step or as many steps as you wanted there may be more steps to take but you know in order to fix a problem you have to acknowledge you have it and for the longest time Colin Kaepernick was the face and scapegoat of a protest that the owners did not want to occur on their fields as they said it and I thought the most significant person in that video that the players did was Pat Mahomes, actually, Um, because he's sort of the new face of the NFL. They want to make him the face and him being in that video, I think, was significant that the commissioner at that point had no choice. You can't embrace this person as the representation of your brand and then not respond To that person calling you out directly. And so I thought that it was very significant. That he was in the video. Um, There are people who are saying. Too little too late. There are people who are saying. Until Colin Kaepernick gets a job. It doesn't matter. Do you think that
1: it's any more likely. That he gets a job now? No. I don't. Because I don't know. I don't know if he can play now. And I don't know if he'd want to do that. Let's say Colin Kaepernick gets a job but it's as a backup. Does he want to be the backup at this point? I mean, I guess it's up to him. I think that he'll have the opportunity to play if he wants to play. I can't speak for him. I don't know if he even wants to play at this point. It's been so many years. What's it been three years since he's been on a football field, four years since he's been on a football field. So who knows if he if he wants to go through that at this point or whether or not he feels that he's accomplished what he needs to out of that sport. And more importantly, whether or not He feels like his voice is being heard better this way than it is going back to the football field. I don't know.
0: Other NFL players sort of making their voices heard around Clemson, actually. Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins. um, Deshaun Watson saying the reason that he doesn't say he played at Clemson on TV is because of a name on a building there uh, that he objects to. The Honors College. 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 You Mm -hmm. know more about it having gone to... Clemson your your son almost going to Clemson there so you guys took some visits you know a little more about it than I do um but I I found that eye-opening I I don't know that that's a conversation that's been had publicly before about why he does it you just I always laugh when they do the intros at the games and somebody says like I went to so-and-so middle school it's like why didn't they say where they played their college ball well he has now now you know why
1: I mean I don't know I can't tell you every player some players are just you know prideful of, the, of their high school experience. I don't know. But in, in this case, they've now made it clear that because the name of, of the Honors College is John Calhoun, who is was supposedly a slave owner, um, that they're not proud of that and, that and that they have expressed this before. I don't know if they've expressed it publicly before, but they said that they've been uncomfortable for, about this for a while. Um, look, uh, the the Clemson issue is something that I have I personally researched. I'm not going to go into to everything that I have found out or what I I know about it other than to say that I'm uncomfortable with some of the stuff that goes on down there. Uh, Dabo Sweeney is, you know, he comes across as, as um, a very religious man and, and somebody who seems tolerant and I'm not going to say that he is or isn't always, but you can go back and you can look at some of the things he did, he has said and you know, he's now being called on the carpet, not only with regard to defending and not punishing one of his coaches who supposedly used a, a racial slur. Um, but back when all this happened in 2016 with Colin Kaepernick, uh, his his response was exactly now what we don't want to hear. And, and it essentially was if you don't like it, leave the country.
0: So and if it, he were to come out now with a different take. Can you look at him as somebody who has sort of come around on the issue, or is it slightly disingenuous to you at this moment? I think that's the problem that a lot of people have right now is they're trying to determine the sincerity of people to that are that are making these statements and taking these actions, or is it more peer pressure that they're going along to get along?
1: I don't know I don't know if you can tell with people. I think, you know, to me, the most interesting from from a sociology or psychology perspective has been watching uh, the Saints situation, the whole locker room situation, and what I think may be an evolution of Drew Brees. Um, by all accounts, Drew Brees is respectful of his teammates, never had an issue. Um, has has a position on the flag that was tone deaf. His his Malcolm Jenkins, in particular, and some of his other teammates expressed their their anger at the things he said and how hurtful it was to them. And then Drew Brees not only apologized, but backed it up uh, to the point that he backed it up to the President of the United States. So regardless of politics, uh, he was willing to go out there and back up his word. I can't tell you what's in his heart. I can't tell you whether or not uh, he's motivated by something other than his own evolution and and figuring things out and understanding people and listening. But at least to me, it appears that he is evolving. And, and so if that happens, that's a net positive, right? I mean, isn't that what we want? We want, we don't want people to go to their separate corners.
0: You want to create more advocates for Mm -hmm. change as opposed to like we talked about with Doug sort of retreating to how you feel about it how you feel is less relevant than whether the other person is alive at times. And so, you know, that was the, I think the blowback on breeze, you know, yes, the the flag, but it was responding at that time and not recognizing the situation going on around it to try and make it about the point that he wanted to make. And so here, here's
1: something with regard to the saints discussion that I struck me as kind of awkward, um, and I, in my opinion, kind of inappropriate was Shaquille O'Neal's comments about it. They should stick you... together, Jeff. Yeah, but I'm okay with that part. What I'm not, okay, what, I, what I don't understand is how he could be so tone deaf to say that had, had he stuck together and it had not been the media that tore them apart. By the way, Shaq is part of the media now and he's sitting there saying that the media is responsible and if they hadn't let the media do this to them. By the way, they're it, adults. It you know, wasn't if, the media, it was Drew Brees' teammates
0: and no, Drew Brees' no, 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 his no, contemporaries. But over, no,
1: but but Shaq said it was the media with regard to the Lakers and that if it hadn't been for if he, they didn't let the media do what they supposedly did whatever magic potion they had is that they would have won five more championships. To me that was not the time to be discussing how many more championships you would have if you all just got along. There are bigger issues in life than whether or not you win more championships.
0: Yeah, it was uh, not what was needed at that moment. I mean, look, I, I get that he's trying to make sure that they stick together as a team and and there's a lot going on. Uh, I, I hope that for them, the dialogue is helpful. It's not the only place. University of Iowa, their strength coach has questions. You're seeing things around the country, around the world. You're you're seeing in soccer leagues moments of silence, people taking knees. Um, I would think that when the NFL comes back in the fall, assuming they come back, right now they're saying they're still going to be in front of full stadiums, you're going to have a lot more people taking a knee. (laughs) Okay,
1: so so let's, uh, there is no way to segue to other topics, I think, easily, but let's let's try to segue to other topics since you just brought one up. What stadiums are going to be full?
0: Well, I'm not saying that everybody will go, but I believe...
1: <laughs> no, no, well, I'm just curious. Which stadiums are opening up that you can actually going to be able to go to them? Oh, I think in,
0: in states like Texas and Florida, where they're already reopening, you're seeing 25 to 50 percent capacity at some of these places. Uh, I think that by the fall,
1: there it won't be in the Northeast where yeah, you've on, had what it is. So, so I've heard that, too, with regard to places like Texas. Are we talking about college sports or pro sports?
0: I think both. Uh, frankly, I think that it depends what the numbers do. It can have you
1: been to a college football game? I know 100,000 people there. I get do, it. Do, do you, did you ever? There's no seats. There is no separation. There, do You have a tiny little spot on a bench. And I then didn't, there's. So, so even if you take out half the people, there's no social distancing. Now you just have time to exhale.
0: You didn't say, Am I making the best public health decision? Right. You said, Where will people go to games? And I happen to believe. in a lot of places where states are allowing them to open the chase for revenues will be quote balanced with public health concerns and that balance is you won't be able to watch games next year if we go out of business so we're gonna sell you tickets how many and plus by the way by the way by offering the tickets they don't have to refund you if you don't go yeah, by playing the games mm, and who's saying who's jaded
1: it, now. <laughs> but I, tell me I'm wrong though. By, by the way, by the way, how many fingers am I holding up? Six. Okay, so it's that's like how drunk, many a drunk test or something. No, that's how many Alabama football players have already tested positive by them rushing them back soon. Really, it was five as the other day when I put it in. There. Oh, I was six, I thought now. it was six. Okay, it may be maybe up to it's six. five or six. It, maybe maybe you can't see the number of fingers I'm holding well, up. Who and knows? it's
0: it's interesting that you say that because. The NBA has a plan for what happens if COVID-19 or a serious injury strikes a team. Uh, yeah. elig- they have who will be eligible yeah. replacement players. Right. Like yeah. That's their plan. People in the NBA, G League. I believe that for the Sixers, if anything happens, happens to anybody, Trey Burke, your man, uh-huh. back on the yep. roster
1: right mm-hmm. there. Uh, we have Although, as of now, year, Crawford can't be on any roster.
0: Is not that. eligible, or any international player is also not eligible for a right. roster. Um, but you're going to well, see a, a lot La of La these. Or LaMarcus Aldridge, for that matter. Or Kev You know, if we're jumping around here, that seems to be one of the sticking points along with money in the MLB negotiations. Is they want them to sign a waiver about testing, and the union was questioning whether it gave liability it took away liability for the owners if somebody were to get sick now look nobody wants to hear people argue about this stuff. wait 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 do you really do you
1: really think that's what the major league players are worried about no
0: it's about their percentage of the money that's what they care about that's they would sign
1: anything else if they got the money they wanted to exactly
0: so Are we going to a a place where the commissioner imposes like a 48 game season, the union files a grievance, and we play baseball with them in court? Is that, I mean, it seems like, you know, the commissioner for the quote, good of baseball, best interest of baseball, could order some type of season or agreement that's short. Apparently, I think 48 games. Yeah. And then the league could take them to court Mm -hmm. and file a grievance, but at the same time, games
1: would be played. No, they wouldn't. Um, I thought so. I thought they would be. Uh, you have to assume the players show up. Oh, so you think they wouldn't go? Yeah. If if the if the owners say that's it, we're implementing a forty-eight game season. What makes you think that the players are going to show up? Because guess what, they're gonna they're not only going to argue money, they're going to say that s- safety is a reason. They're going to come up with fifteen different reasons why they're not going to show up for game. Are you still on a? There's going to be no baseball kick. Yes. Okay. Uh, I, I believe that they have a history of both sides shooting themselves in the foot and that they're continuing to show that that's what they're going to do. Their, their proposals, first of all, the fact that their proposals are public in the way that they've made them public is, is a horrible way to negotiate because what neither side appear, the leadership of both sides appears not to understand that nobody cares who the winner or loser is, Right. Nobody cares about the billionaires and the multimillionaires and who's right and who's wrong. All they want to know is whether or not they're going to get to watch baseball. So putting out public proposals only incites the other side. It doesn't get them anything. Yet they put out these ridiculous proposals that they know the other side isn't going to agree to.
0: How have the other leagues avoided this debacle? Is it just the distrust between union leadership and ownership in this particular league, you don't see this in the NFL, you don't see this in the NBA, you don't well, see this in well, the NHL.
1: On. The NFL, you don't see it because there's still time. Okay, So we, we still need to find out what's going to happen in the NFL. The hope is that somehow this all magically goes away by September. So we don't Poof. know that. Right. The other three sports are in the middle of it. Two sports had to be shut down and another sport never got to start up because they got the spring training, and that's it. So they're forced to deal with it. Of those three sports, MLB versus MLBPA has always been the war. They have There has never been peace between those two sides. The NBA has, has found a way to, to make sure that both sides get heard, and they find a common ground. Whether they're both happy with it is a different story. But as, as when I negotiate, I'll, I'll often say, uh, the best settlement is when both sides walk away feeling unhappy, given something up. Yes. And so I think that's the way it is. And the same thing is with the NHL. So yeah, this is the MLB and they're going to shoot themselves in the foot. And, you know, they're going to have a draft tomorrow night that now nobody's going to watch because they've created this feeling that there's impending nothingness coming from that league. <laughs> so <laughs> who's, who's can I in besides you and I to watch the MLB draft tomorrow night?
0: Can we talk about somebody else who missed the boat? Go the ahead. Knicks, the Knicks in Madison Square Garden have now issued a statement about George Floyd's killing weeks after it, after Dolan said that it's not their place to put a statement out. Can yeah. the Knicks screw things up anymore just by being the Knicks?
1: It's not the Knicks. It's one person. It's James Dolan. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. And, and, All right, well let's and and I just talked about how you it's it's nice to see the evolution and it should never be too late for people to change and understand I don't believe for once and, and I can't read the motives of most people there 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 is nothing in me that says James Dolan is doing anything for the good of anything or comes around to anything by understanding or having empathy
0: so you know that I've been a public
1: relations guy and a communications mm-hmm. guy and I'm I'm now looking at this statement
0: for the first time yeah. There is no way James Toll wrote this statement. <laughs> this is just, every one of us has a role to play in creating a more just and equal society where there is no racism, bigotry, violence, or hate. We stand with all who act for positive change. That's that a statement. That's, That's a statement.
1: It. That's a statement.
0: Well, at least somebody outdid Tiger Woods today for critique of their statement on the matter.
1: <laughs> we all need... Most of us need to listen more than talk. And yes. James Dolan is one of those people who should be listening and never talking. Yeah, and I'm not making light of
0: the situation. <laughs> I just, this is one of those where I ask you about the sincerity versus the public relations value. Mm-hmm. I see no sincerity in this statement at all. Just not there. Uh, I did want to ask, Well, stick in New York for a second. You care <laughs> that, that Josh Harris wants to uh, own the Sixers, the Devils,
1: and now the Mets. I wish I could top the meme that you sent me when we were were texting about this, because the meme of Mr. Met shaking his head, the only one that I could come back with that would have been better, I didn't want to send you because you have two young children, which was Mr. (laughs) Met flipping the bird. (laughs) You know, owners, you don't often see owners who who own teams in competing markets. You'll so often see, team, the latest is you'll have somebody that owns American sports teams and then owns European sports teams. But you don't often, I don't know, when's the last time you ever saw an owner that was in the New York market and the Philly market at the same time? He wants so, to make it a regional network. Well, I don't, I, I don't understand how that works because the idea of having a network would be to watch and to cross-pollinate. Is there is bad? no way that Sixers fans are watching Mets games, and I don't want to pay. Games. I don't want to pay to support the Devils or the Mets. So, and is does that, that does that mean that they would no longer be on NBC Sports? I don't know. That's, I was because I, I am have, not paying as much as, as a season ticket holder for the Sixers. I am not going to pay for a network that two thirds of it is Devils and Mets games. Right? Like, it, <laughs> am, am I missing doing the that? boat here? Am I? No. Unless what, they're going to do an a la carte and I can pay a third, I'm not doing that. You you are not forcing me to get a sports channel that's the equivalent of uh, C S Y or whatever they call it up in New York. Are you still uh, head over heels for the Korean be- baseball organization? Well, I'm not head over heels, but I watched it this morning. Of course, you did. Yes, <laughs> in well, your my university? Dinos were on, and they won again. And Aaron Altair, I think, is leading the team in RBIs. So is there any yes, other? Thought,
0: is there any other sport that you're watching as they come back? Golf is starting to come back a little bit. I caught a little bit of the NASCAR racing. I know you didn't bother to catch that.
1: No. Um, no. And I'm, not, and I'm not watching Fight Island, uh, the UFC. You're not, you're not I, watching I, I Fight I Island,
0: yeah. with Ultimate Fighting Championship. That you're not doing that in Abu Dhabi. I'll, look, I've been watching my wrestling, so I, I've been okay. But when you talk about the crowds, it's like, not a sport. I understand they're athletes, though. They're just <laughs> acting while they do it. I. I that's where I say to you, though, like that's going to be the leading edge. They already have other wrestlers that are serving as an audience now because they're under the regulations of how many people are there. They record in Florida and so yeah. they're allowed a certain amount of people in the building and mm-hmm. as those regulations get expanded the guy who runs it last night said it,
1: wait soon we'll have fans back. Well You're wait going. but bright that the soccer team Brighton already Stuffed has has fans back it just costs you 25 bucks you take a picture of yourself wearing a brighton jersey you send it in and they plop you in a seat that's genius i love it i love they it. are that... literally they're literally keeping the fans out of the stadium and finding a way to charge them admission okay i don't love that as much yeah so i'm, I'm <laughs> since to you put it that way what, what you love they literally said, "Okay, you can I love that here. I can still be on TV at the stadium. Yeah, for twenty-five bucks. Details. And and, and why are they going to do? We have. Be honest. If up, Alex why said can't they to you, "Pop you electronically in there," if Alex said to you he wants to be
0: at that game, you'd bitch and moan about it, and you would pay fifty bucks and put two pictures well, of yourself in the me. seats. No, I wouldn't put myself <laughs> in it. I, as a dad,
1: I would do it, but I'm not. I'm not <laughs> There's no way I'm paying 25 bucks so they can cut out a piece of cardboard and put my head on it.
0: How about the stuffed animals in the seats? Did you like that?
1: No, that? I missed that one. There
0: was a stadium that, that filled the seats with all stuffed animals.
1: Was that Korean baseball? I got to check. I wasn't here. That's for sure. <laughs> it wasn't the dinos. Their stadium was empty today. How are you holding
0: up without sports? Are you cracking at this point? Or are you holding no, strong? I'm,
1: I'm still watching thirty for thirties. I'm still watching old sporting events when I can. I didn't get uh, to
0: catch the Bruce Lee one. I missed that one. Um, but I will be back this week for the well, uh wire well, Sosa one.
1: Well that yeah, don't forget that this Friday we're gonna have the director of that on on our regular show. So uh, I'm looking forward to that because you know that was, that summer was so etched in my mind. Me it too. It was so exciting. I I remember coming home from, from work at times and immediately turning on the game. And that any time Sosa or McGuire came to the plate, they would break into the yeah, live exactly.
0: Coverage.
1: Yep. And, yeah, I remember it, the flash bulbs when they
0: would walk up to the plate. The atmosphere. It was can't miss. It was,
1: but it was all, but it was all fake.
0: And it looks like, you know, I haven't seen a lot of the promotional materials yet. I've seen one of the ads. I saw Bob Costas talk about the price that it came at. It looks like they're not going to avoid the the elephant in the room there. And I mean, you remember I asked Bud Selig about that when I interviewed him a few years ago. And he tried to talk about his displeasure going around with it. But I'm interested to see
1: how this is all framed coming up.
0: It's a two-part episode. and. So yeah, we'll have the director on with us to talk about it on Friday.
1: But how could you advise? Uh, it's not an elephant in the room. It's it's the whole story. I mean, th- they they cheated. They both. Okay, cheated. so
0: I guess to me the elephant of the room is what culpability baseball has for capitalizing on it. Yes, they cheated, but what did baseball know, and how much did they know while they were marketing and making money off this? Remember, chicks dig the long ball was an ad campaign. Like, this was a way of baseball for that time. And they seemed to know what was going on. And Bud Selig said, well, my hands were tied. I couldn't do anything. So, okay, your hands are tied. You can't do anything. You decide that you're going to now brand it and make money off of it. And I'm interested to see how they balance that.
1: So so I'm confused because you, you got to interview him. Um, yeah. He said his hands were tied. How were his hands tied? he could only
0: implement drug testing policy with the minor league baseball because of the way that the collective bargaining was done. Drug testing had to be done as a privacy issue through collective bargaining. And he actually talks about in the interview when I did with him and I'll find the audio, maybe we'll put the clips out. I can't put Mm -hmm. the whole thing out. Um, But he talked about a letter that I think it was Bowie Kuhn, the the, uh, head of the union at the time had sent him that Said, you know, if I was still in charge, nobody would be peeing in no cup. And in baseball, the union took a stance that this was an issue of privacy. Seelig took a stance of this is for the good of the game. He believes that he had limitations to what he was able to do and begrudgingly traveled around to be in the stadium because Hank Aaron told him, if you're not there, it's more of a story. That was how he sort of conveyed it to me. That's, That's his a story. Of it. But how yes. many
1: how many major league commissioners have we heard say they can do whatever they want under the, uh, the best interests of baseball clause? Yeah, that was the
0: question that I had for him. And, and he tried to say that that was not something that could be covered under that. I mean, I specifically asked him about it when I, mm-hmm. when I sat down for the one-on-one with him because – again i came of age watching baseball like those were my teen years going into college i was sitting there every night watching every single one of those games Mm -hmm. and watching that chase i remember that so i'm very interested to see how they frame it and talk about it and, and how much balance they have to where baseball jumped on this bandwagon as opposed to just recognizing they couldn't do anything and letting it happen they then went and capitalized it not just on the coverage they did but then on marketing it separately afterwards.
1: So, you know, I know it's hindsight. I think we're all kind of complicit in it. Because if you go back and look, what I have to do is take a look at Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire when they came in the league, and then Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire when they had those home that that home run year. They are so massively bigger physique-wise than they were.
0: The funny there thing was is there was no
1: way that you could have done that in in a, in a natural way.
0: Did you think about it at the time? No. Though?
1: No. Exactly. And same thing like, same he, thing with he, Barry Bonds. I saw like, looking I lived back, in Pittsburgh and saw Barry Bonds play and he was a he was a stick figure. Looking back, you see the body changes these
0: guys went through in right. their careers and it's like, yeah, of course, how do we not know? But at the time You know, maybe people talked about it, but it wasn't the main conversation of what was going on, even though he had Andro in his locker. Like, it wasn't like this stuff was hidden. Mm -hmm. So I'm just curious to see how they have it. And I'm looking forward to talking to the director on Friday. Any final thoughts before we let people go and catch them on the air
1: Friday at 4 p.m., Jeff? Uh, I wish I could tell you who's on KBO tomorrow morning, but you'll have to just turn on ESPN and it could be a surprise for you.
0: Well, we'll we'll start the Jeff Cohen <laughs> KBO report. Maybe we'll put that out in between. You can put stats out like you do on the I Hope Stills account. I do. You do you do that's right you do put out an all terrace KBO stats out. That's right. By the way if you want to follow us you can listen to us on the air, you can catch up on on Facebook, on Twitter at the Heart of Sport. Uh, we are podcasted just about everywhere at this point. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio. Uh, Jeff, what did I get? Spotify, Google Play, you name it, we're there. So you can catch Jeff's smiling face on video for these, and you can catch his dulcet voice on all of those. <laughs> <laughs> all right, see you Friday. Everybody have a good one. We'll talk to you Friday.